Welcome to the Emboldened Podcast Season 3. We are happy to have you join us again. This season, we introduce new hosts as well as new guests. In keeping with the annual summer conference theme, this season's theme will be Homecoming, Back to the Future. What's going on, everyone? My name is Zion Baldwin. I'm a live content operator at WBNG TV 12. Before breaking into the TV industry, I graduated from Binghamton University. Originally, I was born in the South Bronx in Harlem. New York City. So shout out to the Big Apple. And I'm Adrienne Perkins. I'm a digital transformation strategist and senior business consultant. Prior to consulting in corporate strategy, I graduated from Howard University with a degree in broadcast journalism. I'm a proud Emma Bowen Foundation alum, where Turner, now known as Warner Media, was my corporate sponsor. I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Bolden's mission and vision is to bring the Emma Bowen Foundation and community together. So that means you. By giving the listeners exclusive access to trailblazers and influential decision makers in the media industry. So we're in for a treat today because our guest is Brad Billington. Brad is an Emma Bowen Foundation alum whose corporate sponsor was CBS, where he worked full time after graduating from the University of Maryland. He spent two years line producing newscasts for the first ever local news 24-7 streaming service with CBS News New York. During the pandemic, he started freelance producing with Robin Roberts production company, Rockin' Robin Productions, where he associate produced the Tuskegee Airmen Legacy of Courage documentary. Since then, Brad has freelanced as a segment producer at ABC News, producing segments for 2020, Nightline, Good Morning America, and Good Morning America 3, and ABC News Live. Next month, Brad will join ABC as a a full field producer for the network's new in-house production company, ABC News Studios, where Brad will lead field shoots for documentaries airing on Hulu, Disney+, National Geographic, and ABC News Network. Today, Brad is going to discuss his journey from network to freelance and the challenges he's faced along the way. So let's dive right in. Thanks for joining us today, Brad. So my first question for you is, can you describe your entrance into the media industry? Hey, guys. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Zion. Thank you so much for having me, first of all. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get right to it. Um, my entrance pretty much started with Emma Bowen. During college, I was you know studying broadcast journalism and film studies at Maryland, but my true entry into this industry was through my corporate sponsor at the time, CBS. You know, I, I, I had did, done several internships over four summers with them, like many other Emma Bowen alum, and I ended up going full-time with them right after graduation. I, I, can't, I can't say enough about how grateful I am to have that experience to, you know, get a head start, to get that exposure at the company that I ended up going full-time with. And from there, it's, it just opened more and more doors. Wow. 
That's really great. That's how I got my start too with CBS. Um, right now I'm with WBNG TV 12, so it's interesting that we kind of had that similar entrance point. Oh yeah, no, and I think I think it's so great too that everyone who has these corporate sponsors has the opportunity to go into different divisions of the companies to really figure out what they want to do. I've worked with a lot of people who've been in the media industry for 15, 20 plus years. And a lot of them have pivoted because they might not have known what they wanted to do. So they spent five years in one job, five years in another job. And I think Emma Bowen really gives you the opportunity to see all the different inner workings of the business kind of cuts out some of that time to where you you have a better idea of where you want to be by the time that you're graduated. That's exciting. So deciding to freelance, you know, must have been a hard decision after working for CBS and being in the network, you know, such a great company. What ultimately led you to make that decision? Yeah, so I was I was with CBS full time for two years. And actually, the, the decision to go freelance was was COVID. Um, I think the whole world was on pause. And for many of us who are lucky enough to you know, survive through the pandemic without any health issues. I think it really made us all stop and think, do I like where I am right now? Is my career where I want it to be? Am I on the the path that's going to get me to where I want to be five years from now, 10 years from now? And the truth is, I've always wanted to be a film producer, filmmaker. And I love, love, love everything that I did at CBS. But I think, you know, working at CBS, I was working more on newscasts and the different stories um, that go into a new show, whereas I wanted to focus more on segment producing and producing documentaries. So the decision to go freelance was a big risk at the time because I was leaving a full-time job during a pandemic. I had no confirmation that I would have a job longer than two months after leaving. But I think, again, going back to you know, the state of the world, and I, I think COVID made a lot of people think it's now or never. And so I've even seen people 20 years into the business, 30 years into the business who have pivoted to really follow their passions and follow their dreams. And I think I really, really, really liked what I was doing at CBS. But I feel like following the segment producing route, which I had opportunities in the freelance world for, that that was what I dreamed of doing. And so that it, it was it was a hard decision at the time, but it was one of the best decisions. I've yeah, ever I made. can't imagine. That sounds crazy. <laughs> like I could not imagine, you know, not having that security, but it looks like the risk paid off. Oh, yeah, it definitely paid off because um, like like you said in the intro, I had been freelancing for ABC for a couple of years, you know, after I got my start with uh, Rock and Robin Productions and, you know, did a few projects with Robin Roberts team. But, you know, since then, I've I've made so many strong connections and I've freelanced from project to project. And, you know, recently I got an offer to go full time as a field producer with their new production studio. So, yeah, it, I, I think honestly, following the dreams and where my passion lied at the time um, and still lies. I think made it pretty easy, you know, because it's very hard work to do. But, you know, if you're passionate about it, I think the connections come and it's easier to continue work in that industry. I feel like we hear that a lot. You know, it's always about your network and the connections that you make. 
but that's it. We hear that. But what do you mean? You know, how do you keep up with these connections? How do you make sure that you, you know, not just meet people at a networking event or even at work, but also sustain those relationships so that when, you know, an opportunity presents itself, they make sure that they put your name in the hat? Mm. Oh, that's a great question. I mean, you know what, Adrian, for, for, for viewers, Adrian and I are very good friends. We were at multiple conferences together. And Adrian, one thing we heard at every conference from our fellow EBF alum and from our mentors was don't network up. Don't just network up, network to the side. And that's one of the biggest things I've learned is don't always follow that executive or that big name person who's been in the business for 20, 30 years. Some of your best connections are right in front of you, right next to you are some of your friends. And so I think learning that, learning that we're the future of the industry and utilizing your connections that you have in your peers, that was one thing that showed me sometimes it's about making friendships. You know, and so that is that's even with execs that you might have or, you know, people who are well experienced. Don't always look for opportunities when you're developing these connections. One thing that I've done is, you know, sometimes ask people if they need help with something. How can you help them, you know, rather than how can you help me? get this job. And I think that that creates really genuine connections and genuine bonds that later help you to where, say you've done a favor for someone in the past, and they happen to be in the room that can give you an opportunity, they they can hook you up with it. And so that's just what I've done all around the business. It's I've looked at networking as making friends. Right, right. I totally agree with that statement, actually. Um, my mentor, Dr. Harris, um, former CEO, of the um, Emma Bone Foundation says folks want to do business with people that they like. So that definitely just relates to that statement, what you just said. I wanted to ask you for my next question. How do you balance your passion for filmmaking in your work as a creative producer? And does one inform the other? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. I think they both can go hand in hand. You know, I got my start in news, obviously, but film can mean a whole bunch of things. It could mean scripted content, which I did not go to school for. You know, I minored in film studies, so I was not working on the production of scripted content. You know, I was I was definitely learning how to tell stories from a film standpoint, but where my career has positioned me now to where I can work on documentaries documentaries fall under the film umbrella. And so I think my passion for filmmaking and working as a creative producer, it just goes with the idea that you can wear many different hats. And if you're passionate about a project or an idea, you can certainly make it happen. And I think documentaries for me, that's why I'm pursuing that right now, is it's storytelling. Both of them, creative producing, filmmaking, it's all storytelling. And that's truly why I'm in the media industry is, you know, to be able to tell people stories. Yeah, that's how I think they both go hand in hand. I love that. That's why I was, I too was formerly in news and I used to want to, you know, give a voice to the voiceless and tell people's stories. 
But I heard, you know, when you said documentaries, your voice completely changed. So what is it about documentaries mm -hmm. other than, you know, telling people's stories that really gets you like super excited? Well, I think the biggest thing is I really, really like working on newscasts and, you know, working on daily newscasts. And the thing with that everybody knows with TV, live TV, you don't have as much time to tell certain mm -hmm. stories. And so I think with everything that's going on in our world today, there are some stories that need deeper storytelling and deeper communication and longer right. discussions rather than the quick 30-second, one-minute news stories we hear on our TV. Documentaries, for me, they really, they get into the juice of the topics that you're talking about. You know, I know many friends outside the industry who love watching documentaries and have become experts on certain topics just from watching a documentary. And I think documentaries help do that storytelling that you can't get in these short segments on news. And so that that's my favorite thing about it by far. I love that. I love documentaries too. So what's your favorite project or documentary that you've worked on? That's a good one. I think, I, I don't know if I'm able to talk about it Ooh, right now. Exclusive. I'm fully in love with the one I'm working on. <laughs> okay. Exclusive. Well, I, I, can, I, I can't say what I'm doing specifically, but... I've worked on, um, I'm working on a Soul of a Nation segment right now for oh, Juneteenth. Fine. Soul of a Nation is ABC News's first magazine program that's dedicated to telling black stories. And that's something that's like, when you what? hear that, what I just said, like, that's on a mainstream news network. And it, it started after, you know, all the protests during 2020. And I, I think our execs and producers at ABC realized that people need an inner uh, look, an inside look inside what black culture is. And it became so popular that they've now done Soul of a Nation for Asian Americans for now for this month, we're doing a pride version of Soul of a Nation. And so helping people get an inside look at cultures that they haven't been able to tap into is, you know, this is probably my favorite project so far. And it's we're still working on it because like I said, it won't come out till right before Juneteenth, you know, being able to work with different people on it. We're we're doing a special edition on music. And so it's just an incredible project. And it's 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 a documentary style project. I think that's all I can really detail about it right now. I had a quick question for you. What are some of your responsibilities for producing these documentaries? So basically, I've done everything from the as a producer, I would lead the field shoots by working with the director of photography and the rest of our crew to set up all the shots for the B-roll that we're going to get. But then also the interview shots, like how does that all look? I would write up the questions and do the interviews with our certain you know, interview guests. I would help with booking these guests. And then I also, once I do the interviews, I write up a script for the segment and I work with editors on all the B-roll coverage so that everything you see on screen I have a hand in. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing on every project. And I think this new role that I'm going to do as a field producer is just a heavier focus on the field aspect. Cool. With everything you just you just described and putting together and producing these documentaries, just in general for your career, what does success look like to you? And how do you know you're achieving that? How do you know when you've reached, you know, that success that, that we all 
one. Oh yeah, that's a great one. You know, I don't I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to this, but for me, success is not. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with a title. It has nothing to do with a network or a company that I'm working at. I think success for me focuses on how big of an impact I'm able to make. Many people who are in media, who are on the journalism side, who are the storytellers, you know, if they're producing um, in journalism or news or documentaries, they like to tell stories that end up helping people, you know? And I think COVID, for example, you see that. There were certain cities that needed more help. There were hospitals that might have needed more help at one point or another. And, you know, you're able to put that on the screen and show people, hey, this is a problem going on right now. And then people watching at home, that's when a lot of them chime in and say, how can I help? And ultimately, it makes an impact by them helping whatever that need is. And they would have never known about it if they didn't see it on their TV. And so as a producer, that's what success looks like for me. And a lot of it is, you know, short term, it might depend on the story you're doing. But long term, ultimately, I want to just look back on my career and say, how many people have I been able to help by telling their stories? Well, I have a lot of respect for that. And I like I like that you said that um, success is the impact that you can make, Mm -hmm. because it's similar for me. You know, I think success also looks like, you know, just being accepted where I'm at. But then, like you said, just the impact that I can have on people's lives. Right. So thank you. Brad. So what tips, Brad, would you give to students that are looking to expand their network or get into the media industry? You know, I feel like especially now when we are remote and we are in such a different time, you know, some people are going back to work. But what tips would you give students today who, you know, are looking to get into the industry? I think nothing speaks louder than passion. So not everyone is dealt the same cards where they have the same opportunities. Unfortunately, I wish I wish everyone in the country knew what Emma Bone was because we were all lucky enough to have that. And that was our door into this industry for many of us. But I think, you know, if you have no outlets right now, what's something you want to do? If, if, you're, if you want to produce, for example, and you have social media, that's something you got on your phone. You could start producing right then and there. But I would also say from the networking aspect, you know, reach out to people. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, sometimes cold calling or emailing someone you might have a contact with maybe on LinkedIn, reaching out to someone, messaging them. You'd be surprised. A lot of people take the time to help give you answers to questions you might have even, you know, whether it's like a 10 minute info session you want to have with someone who's already in the business, that can go such a long way. One thing we also learn at Emma Bowen is writing the thank you notes after you get those discussions. And I think we talked about it a little before is when we think networking, we always think It's business. It's being professional. But I think people need to stop thinking of it like that. I think it's, especially in media, they say it's not show friends, it's show business, which is true. But I think if you can foster friendships with people, whether they're above you, far along in the industry, or people right next to you, that is how especially as a freelancer, I've been able to get all the work that I've, I've been able to get, you know, before going back full time. It's always been through friends, people I've made bonds with that go further than the professional bond that you normally see. I think that's the biggest thing. I love that because that's exactly how I like to network too. You know, I always like to see people as humans first. 
So, you know, mm. leading with questions like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Or trying to understand what are their favorite sports teams? What do you like to do on the, you know, in your spare time and seeing where your commonalities may naturally just occur. I think mm-hmm. that's super important. It's definitely opened a lot of doors for me. And I do love the LinkedIn tip oh, yeah. too. You know, if anyone is looking for advice on how to network, I think LinkedIn is amazing. And it's amazing because not only can you search for people who work at companies, but you can also mm-hmm. layer in maybe people who went to your college or high school or, you know, someone who is from your same city. And you can also see who in your connections knows that person. So that's like an easy introduction right then and there. You know, if you, and I know I can open up myself personally, if anyone listening, you know, my LinkedIn is my name, Adrian Perkins, but you can definitely find the person that you need to talk to. And most people, like Brad said, are very willing and, you know, very responsive. And we want to definitely, you know, help anyone that we can and make a friend along the way. Oh yeah, and actually, it's it's so funny you say that 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 got me thinking as well because I've worked in the booking aspect of producing, and sometimes you could have a deadline. You could I could get a message from a senior producer right now saying, "Hey, we gotta get a story on X, Y, or Z by tomorrow, and we need you to find someone who could do this, whether it's a you know cooking segment or find a medical expert." I, I didn't even know. Sometimes I can I can go on Instagram even and DM the person, and you'd be shocked the amount of people who would take the time to speak to you, and that could be a connection that goes a long way outside of a segment that I'm working on. So I think yeah, using LinkedIn, but also social media is huge. So folks, you heard it from Adrian and Brad first. If you're not on LinkedIn, get on LinkedIn. <laughs> Brad, my next question for you was have you had bosses who were invested in your career success versus bosses who may not have been so invested in your career success and if so what does the difference look like to you oh that is a great question and i ooh, i want to be careful here because i've had i've had many bosses and i'll i'll start with the bosses who definitely care about your success they're the bosses who check in with you or who you could check in with and get feedback from. How am I doing? Bosses who ask you, you know, what kind of things do you care about? Do you like the work that you're doing? Do you want to, you know, as a producer, it might be a boss that says, hey, do you want to produce more stories like this? Or do you want to get more of an experience like that? Bosses who, you know, they focus on your trajectory and bosses who can be a mentor to you. Are you comfortable with asking your boss something, you know, as a mentor or as a friend versus a, a boss where you're, you're talking strictly business, whatever the job needs to be done? I think, yeah, a lot of bosses that I've been comfortable with who've made the space, even, you know, whether it's our newsroom, just where we're working at, the cultural environment, you know, making it a safe place. I think that that shows so much, whereas a boss that, you know, might not care as much about what you want for your career, you could see that if they if they're just giving you assignment after assignment, and it's just business, 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 they're not asking you how are you doing today? Simple questions like that. I think those are the most clear cut things that long term, you'll start to see reflect in maybe your compensation or overall well being. 
you know, you could have some bosses who might take advantage of you and overwhelm you with a million things to do on your plate. But yeah, how are you doing is that's such an easy, easy way you could see uh, that a boss cares about you. And I've had many who've done that. And I've also had many who don't. So what advice would you give to someone who might be struggling with a manager or boss who isn't asking how they're doing? I think every job that you take, and I think, you know, being able to freelance has allowed me to have many different jobs in a short amount of time because because it is project based so I could be on one project for a month with one company and then another project with a different company for two months and so it's like starting a job it's like starting a new job every time if you haven't worked with them before and the first thing I always do is there's got to be one person on your team who's been on the team as a peer they could be at the same level as you or someone, whether they're senior uh, staff employee, or um, they could be one of the bosses. But there's there's got to be someone who you can become friends with. I I like to compare it back to you know when I was in school. One thing I would always do in class is find one friend or try and make one friend who you know if I miss class one day and I need to know what the homework is, who's that friend you're gonna text? You know what what's the what's the homework tonight? And so I've tried to translate that into every job I have, where it's try and make one friend who's going to look out for you, who might not just want business, 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 and want work from you, who can come in the form of someone on your level or in the senior staff. And if you're not getting what you need from your main boss, I think there's someone else who can always offer advice of you know whether you have to move on or whether you should work out in a certain um, other division in the company or a way to help you talk to that boss to get what you need. That's one thing that I've always found. There's always one person. And again, they come at all levels, but one person who can help you get what you really need. That's very solid advice, actually. I have another question for you, Brad. My next question is, how does one get used to the environment of professionalism without feeling like they're code switching. So I guess mm. a lot of black folks can relate can relate to this. Having a quote unquote code switch if they're in rooms mm-hmm. where they, they, they're the minority. What's your take on that? That is probably one of the that that is one of our biggest um obstacles we face anytime we step into a new job. And you know, going off of my last answer, finding that one friend you know, finding another person of color in your newsroom, in your office, that always helps. That's like the first thing you should be doing. But I would also say from the code switching aspect, I have found that sometimes when you do code switch too much, it becomes, it's your first impression. And we want to make great impressions. And so ways you are at home when you're comfortable with your family or out on the weekend with friends, I'm not saying you want to come in hot um, on day one and act like that and speak off, you know, whether it's off the cuff or too comfortable. But I, I have found that if you code switch too much to where you're too professional, it, it you end up wanting to unravel that later because I've, I've made friends with, you know, many people in the business who I thought I had to code switch around and they ended up being great people 
who I wish I never did that with in the beginning. And now you're trying to work back what your first impression was to them. And so it's, it's, it's always tough for us to find that dial in the industry. But I do think people who have been at the job before us, like I said, there's always someone who's been there before you, who you can make friends with, who can show you the ropes of how it is. I think my best conversations, my greatest mentorship always come from people, from friends that I have made on the job who can give you the real deal. And so that's always what I'm looking for first and foremost. And I don't want to try and use the same answer as I used on my last question, but I think that's the biggest thing. It'll let you know how to still authentically be yourself, but you know, know certain things you might want to look out for as a person of color in this industry. I love that answer. And what I got from that is that it's super important that you feel comfortable in every space that you're in. So I think it's also important, you know, as we are looking for maybe our first jobs or even going for promotions with new companies, you're also interviewing them, you know, because you have to feel comfortable in that space. Because if you feel like you have to co-switch to that degree, like Brad was saying, that can come across as very disingenuous. Mm -hmm. It's fake. It's not who you are. And, you know, something that I've always prided myself on, and it might be the HBCU alum in me, you know, shout out Howard, Mm. is no matter (laughs) who you're talking to, whether it's my mother, my best friend, my manager, my coworker, even some of my mentees, they can all say the same thing about me. You know, I may show up and present myself Mm. Differently, but the package is the same. They're always going to say Adrian is X Y Z, and it will be the exact same. And I would just encourage everyone to really like learn themselves so that you're comfortable with yourself. And it doesn't matter. I mean, this is so cliche, but it truly doesn't matter what other people think as long as you love yourself. And of course, that you're showing up professionally as long as you're at work. But I think the biggest thing that Mm. Brad was saying is really making sure that you're comfortable in your work environment and making sure that you have those allies who can you who can inform you and who can really mentor you along the way. No, I love that you said that, Adrian, cuz Adrian Adrian has also she is if anyone who knows her, she's a great negotiator. Adrian knows her worth. So like she said, when you are interviewing for a company, you're also interviewing that company. And so while you want to be humble and still get the job, I do think it's important to know that while you can get allies at that job who can help you be comfortable, it's also there's also got to be a line. There are some places where it will force you to code switch too much to where you got to you really got to have a hard conversation with yourself of is this worth it if I really got to not be myself this much? And yeah, I, I, I think that's that's a huge thing when you when you look for a company and you're looking for a new job is trying to find that out from the beginning so that if it's not for you, then it's not for you. And you know, up front. Well, that's such great advice from both of you. And I'm just very humbled to be able to have learned that being a young professional myself. Thank you so much, Brad. We really appreciate you for sharing your thoughts and your experiences with us. The theme for this year's summer conference is welcome back to the future. So we have one final question that we're asking all of our guests. Yes, we do. So Brad, the final question is, what is one piece of advice that you wish you could tell your younger self? Oh, 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 oh. I think, oh, that's a great one. I would have to say, 
especially what I would tell my younger self as an Emma Bowen, as someone who's been privileged enough to get these early opportunities and almost get a head start into the business is go at the beat of your own drum. You've already been, you know, given an amazing opportunity. And this is something I want to give to a lot of Emma Bowen fellows who are currently in the foundation in school working with, you know, their corporate sponsor is be ambitious, but don't always try and fast track to where you might miss some of the steps that you might have needed to take a longer time working on to grow and trust that process. One of the the things a supervisor told me in a job where I, you know, I wasn't happy with where I was, with the level that I was at, with the title I had. One supervisor told me, it's not about, you know, rushing. It's not a, success is a journey, not a destination. And in any job, it's like coffee. Cream always rises to the top and everyone one day will get their chance at that. And so trust that process and do not you know, try and rush through it to get there. Because sometimes the process, as long as it may be, it's what you needed to go through at a certain time to get where you will ultimately be one day. Wise words, such wise words, and very relatable as well. So from the bottom of our hearts, and for everyone who helped to produce this podcast, we really appreciate you taking the time to share your story, Brad. Thank Thank you so much for having me, Adrian and Diane. This is this is going to be amazing, this whole podcast. And I, I've loved all the episodes I've listened to so far. So keep doing it, and we will keep listening. This is great wisdom from every episode so far. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening to Brad's story. Next week's episode will be just as amazing, so make sure that you tune in. And tune in for all new episodes of Emboldened on Apple Music, Spotify, and anywhere else you stream your favorite podcasts every Wednesday. If you want to learn more about the Emboldened podcast and the Emma Bowen Foundation, please visit www.emmabowenfoundation.org backslash emboldened-podcast. podcast